0: Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Congratulations to Massachusetts, who now has an official state dinosaur. The uh, swift-footed lizard that lived millions of years ago in what is now Massachusetts, has named an official state dinosaur. The... Pondichosaurus. I'm sorry. Yeah, the Podicasaurus Holikinesis. Uh, H-O-L-Y-O-K-E-N-I... No. H-O-L-Y-O-K-E-N-S-I-S. Podicasaurus Holy Uh It got 60% of uh, the 35,000 votes uh, that cast on a social media campaign initiated uh, last year. Representative Jack Lewis... Uh, said that uh, this beat out another dinosaur that was also discovered in the state. I think that one was the uh, sauropod morphs. <laughs> I, I love the sauropod morphs, but it's no podicasaurus, holy uh, So that is now the official state dinosaur of Massachusetts. Apparently he came up with the idea while he was trying to uh, come up with a Cub Scout project. And uh, he decided that they would uh, do that and get people involved in finding uh, the swift-footed lizard of Holyoke. It was discovered in western Massachusetts in 1910 by Mount Holyoke College professor Minion Talbot, the first woman to find, discover, name and describe a dinosaur. So congratulations to Mount Holyoke College Professor Mignon Talbot and also congratulations to Massachusetts for now having an official state dinosaur. The swift-footed lizard Potocosaurus Holikinessus. Welcome (laughs) Welcome to Chewing the fat. pretty amazing story out of uh queens new york uh jamaica queens new york uh, to be exact uh in uh march of 2019 human remains consisting of a pelvis and a partial torso were discovered buried under concrete in a backyard and the body had been dismembered at the neck and shoulders and hips. So, With the remains enabled the office of the chief medical examiner to determine a DNA profile in the hopes of identifying a family member. And that profile was searched within local, state, and national databases with negative results. And then Queens District Attorney's Office and the NYPD sought the assistance of a private laboratory and the FBI to help generate leads to the unknown victim's identity and uh, this laboratory Ortham laboratories used advanced dna testing to produce a comprehensive genealogical profile genealogical genealogical profile from the skeletal remains and so that profile was given to the fbi which then generated leads that were turned over to the queen's district attorney's office and the nypd and they began to contact potential family members of the victim and obtain dna samples for comparison to the discovered remains now through those combined efforts they were able to confirm the, confirm the remains found were those of George Clarence Seitz or Seats, S-E-I-T Z, veteran of World War I. He was eighty-one years old and went missing in the morning of december tenth, nineteen seventy six. He was last seen uh, leaving his home in Jamaica, reportedly on his way to get a haircut. After then, after extensive investigation, they obtained that the victim was a regular customer of the defendant at the barbershop and linked the defendant Mata to the crime. So he is now apparently now he has uh, pleaded guilty and uh, revealed that uh, he stabbed him fatally for seven to eight thousand dollars. Oh, okay. So it's always about the money. And it's a long, cold case. Martin Mata, 75, uh, probably going to prison for 20 years. I think sentencing is official. officially going to happen in November. But uh, according to the district attorney, this long, cold case marks the first successful application in New York City of forensic genetic genealogy. No matter how much time has passed, we will use every tool at our disposal to achieve justice. It is precisely for cases such as this one that I created the cold case unit when I became Queens district attorney. So please vote for me again, uh, for the gruesome murder of world war II veteran, the, f- the defendant eluded arrest for more than 46 years. Now he's headed to prison thanks to the collaboration between the NYPD and our cold case unit. So in the words of Ben Matlock, Murder is a messy business. And speaking of messy business, so I was on uh Mojo 50 this morning with uh, my friend Brad Staggs and we were of course talking about the Oak Mulgee murders, the Oak Mulgee 4. And uh, you know, I mean I I've been all over this case and if you've listened to Chewing the Fat, you know the story. And, I, you know, you can I'll you can go back and listen to the last two episodes, and then we'll recap the stories of the Okmulgee 4. But, uh, you know, I got to thinking about why this happened, right? Because these guys were found uh, murdered and dismembered in a river in Okmulgee, and they went missing. And, you know, that, that's the whole story, right? They, they went missing, and we don't know they were going to hit a lick. And they were going to do a crime. We don't know what the crime was. We don't know if they committed the crime. And, you know, then they, they ended up being dead. So I was thinking that perhaps, perhaps, the only reason that someone would dismember a body, right, is to make a point. If you're not going to, and then dismember it and not, bury it or spread it around you just throw all the parts in the river you want somebody to know about it right if you've watched the show Dexter I mean he's a serial killer who dismembers bodies and then he you know gets rid of them uh you know he gets rid of them in the ocean but uh you know he cuts them up and then you know breaks it up and gets rid of it separately he doesn't want people to find them huh big surprise anyway so why would you do that unless you wanted to send a message now who are you sending a message to uh you know we don't know what the crime possibly was we don't know if the crime was committed or not and we know that, uh, you know, they had a person of interest who they arrested, who went on the, you know, apparently apparently looked like he went on the run. They found him in Florida and they're bringing him back or he is back in Oklahoma now. Uh, according to another witness or an informant said that uh, that's how that they asked this person to be a part of whatever crime they were going to commit because they were going to hit that lick and, uh, you know, be set forever. Uh, and he declined. He's the guy that turned him in. Was the uh, scrapyard owner, the junkyard owner, part of the criminal organization? Uh, I just feel like this was a big-time kind of thing. Uh, it, it would look if, When you look at a map of where Oak Mulgee is, Uh, in Oklahoma that would be a good place a launching pad to distributing drugs to some big cities in the United States. So you, once you got it into the States, you bring it to Oakmulgee, you break it up and you ship it out around the country. And it's just me. Uh, you know, maybe I'm thinking too much of it, but I feel like this is a, you know, a cartel kind of thing. And is the guy that owned the scrapyard, is he on the run from the same guys that killed the four guys? Or is he part of it? is the guy that told the police that they were going on their bike ride to hit a lick, is he part of their criminal enterprise or is he part of the cartel's criminal enterprise or whoever is, uh, you know, whoever, whatever person they were going to do the crime from, person or persons that they were going to do the crime from. And we know that, you know, I mean, meth is terrible and it's everywhere in the U.S. now. But, I mean, there's been other big math operations busted in that neck of the woods. And so, uh, it just seems that it, that's a possibility. We never did get to that particular hypothesis uh, this morning on Mojo, but I got to thinking about it even more after I after we were talking to Brad and I can't stop thinking about the Oak Mulkey four <laughs> The Oak Mulkey murders. And I just I can't stop thinking about it. The case is fascinating to me. And I know that uh, I guess in, you know, in the world of crime, hit a lick is a common term, but I'd never heard that before. Sorry, and I know that uh, according to reports, Okmulgee is in the uh, Tulsa Metroplex. I never really thought about Tulsa, Oklahoma, having a Metroplex, but okay, sure, you got me. So anyway, it's going to be fascinating to see what comes of the investigation here after the death of okamulgee four or does it just go away do we just do we just now say oh well we you know we, the case went dry we've got the scrapyard owner in jail uh, it'll be fascinating to see what happens to him because he was out on a you know they've arrested him and they've messing with him on a uh he was on parole or a uh, postponed parole or something. So they were able to bring him in, but he was just a person of interest in this case. They haven't made any charges against him here. Uh, you know, they just know that's of a, the a violent event happened at an adjoining property to his property. Uh, it's just really strange. And he's the postponed uh, case that he was on parole for. He had shot one of six people that he claims were trying to rob him and the others got away or whatever. So, you know, he's not, uh, uh, violence is not uncommon in this guy's world. Although that was, you know, six or seven years ago, something like that. So really strange. And I think we're going to be, uh, I think we're going to be surprised that either goes completely dead and we just wrap it up and we don't know what happened and we just move on. And we just uh, now we wait for the Okamulgee podcast, which I may do myself. And uh, or we find out that it was uh, a criminal enterprise with a crime ring, whether it be whatever uh, cartel, uh, big or small. And uh, cartel, that's uh, they have to be big, right? Well, do they? And uh, so it'll be fascinating to find out uh, what the investigation leads to in Okamulgee. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. So I know it's going to heat up uh, around the country a little bit this week, but it is starting to get cold around the country, and that means we're smack dab in the middle of cuffing season. We're getting there, right? I mean, it's uh, October. Today, if you're listening live, is the 20th of October 2022 uh normally if you look at the cuffing season schedule and if you're unfamiliar with cuffing that means you're uh you know going to be tied down to one partner uh they get into relationships during the colder months of the year when they normally wouldn't be you know really interested in that kind of commitment but it's winter and you just want to have one person to you know cuddle and cuff during the winter so uh usually in august is the scouting season you start scouting for someone who is going to be your cuffing partner and then in september you draft and you you know try to (laughs) get someone that you need and then here in this month we're in tryout month so this month is business month and you're trying out for uh for cuffing season and then come uh come November you're in the preseason and that's I mean all through December and January you're smack dab in the middle of the season and by mid-January it's almost the football season uh, as far as cuffing season so football season NFL the National Football League uh, is really the cuffing season schedule as well uh, especially when you get into, uh, after October, cause we're in obviously in the NFL season right now. And so the cuffing season, you know, doesn't really follow that in the beginning. Cause you have to scout and draft and try out, uh, you know, in the, this business month, but, uh, November and December is, uh, your smack dab in the heart of cuffing season. So if you're right now in the tryouts <laughs> involved in tryouts for cuffing, good luck. Good luck. I see where Matthew Perry is out hawking his book. I'm sorry, just trying to help people and sell his book, uh, his new autobiography, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, which uh, is to be released November 1st. Now, he's got a big uh, interview in People Magazine, and he talks about his addiction and his health crisis, that almost claimed his life. And actually, if this is, you know, I mean, it's sad. He said uh, that uh, he had a burst colon from a long-term opioid addiction, which prompted doctors to inform his family that the actor had a 2% chance of survival, all right? So he's 53 now. He revealed that when he was 49, so just, wow, just four years ago, he was hospitalized for five months and spent two weeks in a coma. He used a colostomy bag for nine months. You know, I remember seeing pictures of him, uh, just walking out of his building, and he did not look well. And he looked, and that's that's probably, you know, (laughs) I'm guessing that when you have a burst colon and you have a survival rate of two percent, you don't look well, and he didn't. So he spent, uh, I guess, he was hospitalized for five months. Spent two weeks in a coma. Wow, so sad. Told him that he had a 2% chance of li- uh, to live, like I said. And he was put on a thing called an, uh, an ECMO machine, an echo machine, which does all the breathing for your heart and your lungs. And it's called a Hail, Hail Mary. No one survives that. Well, can't say no one because Matthew Perry did. He went on to talk about uh, his battles with substance abuse and the severity of his health crisis. Now, in this story, he talks about uh, his addiction to prescription painkillers. He claims that he was taking 55 Vicodin a day. 55 Vicodin a day. Now, I don't know if you've taken painkillers in your life before. I have. Uh, 55 is a lot. You can quote me on that. I will say that it's people like this that give the people who need the pain medications, you know, a bad name because you know they try to keep everybody down. You can only get. I'm only going to prescribe you enough for three days. Uh, We know you have half an arm, but just three days is all the Vicodin you get because you could end up taking fifty five a day. Could you? could you end up taking 55 a day? Because I don't think Mary from my Massachusetts is going to end up taking 55 a day. Oh, I know, but she could be end up taking, you know, two or three a day. Okay. All right. It's just, I mean, if he's taking 55 a day, um, that is, uh, that's, that's, doing, that's doing some Vicodin. <laughs> I don't even know how you're functioning. And I realize that, uh, you know, you're building up a tolerance i get it i get that addiction is a progressive thing and it gets worse as you you know as you grow older and and grow into taking vicodins but at the same time uh 55 if you're taking 55 vicodin a day i mean that's what two an hour and you know you're not taking two uh you know you're taking uh you're not taking two every hour you're taking uh you know maybe five here just to get a quick hit and then you're taking another five after that quick hit hits and then maybe later in the day later in the day you're taking seven or eight with a cocktail of some other painkillers just to you know take the edge off so (laughs) i mean it's no wonder uh holy cow I mean, if you're drinking and doing uh, 55 vicodins a day, that's doing some damage. That is definitely doing some damage. And where are you getting them? I mean, okay, so you know, Mary from Massachusetts can't afford 55 vicodins a day. Sorry, can't can't afford it. Let alone where are you getting them? Uh, are you getting them from uh, you know a reputable dealer? I mean that's what we have the problem with fentanyl now, right? Because you don't, you're not getting your Vicodin from uh, your local pharmacist. You're getting it from uh, the local, um, <laughs> the local guy on the corner, which is getting the pills not from the pharmaceutical company, but those pills are being made uh, on the black market, which end up having fentanyl in them, right? So anyway, I mean that's a that's another distributorship issue with some of these drugs but anyway you know, i'd like to know where you're getting it and end up i mean you had to have been uh some sort of uh illegal activity i remember rush got busted for buying you know thousands of painkillers i mean that was the deal with rush right he was addicted and doing a lot a day and so he ended up having to get uh, you know a massive prescription i'd like to i'd like to talk to matthew about his uh, maybe i'll reach out and talk to him about his new autobiography and really all i want to know is how did you get him and he's going to want to talk about how he got off him and how horrible it was in the hospital and the colostomy bag and the echo machine and i'm happy to be alive and i just want to help people i know but where did you get him, Matthew? <laughs> where are you getting enough vicodin to you know keep your addiction going at 55 Vicodin a day. So I'm sorry if I doubt your 55 Vicodin a day plan. But if I believe you, okay, so I believe you. Great, you were doing 55 a day. How much was it costing you? Where were you getting them? I'd like to have those questions answered, please. But you know, probably not going to get those answered. I mean, I guess I'll just read the book. Yeah, you know, I, I know he talked about in this interview with people that, uh, uh, he's been to rehab 15 times and, uh, 14 surgeries on his stomach and the scars are reminders to stay sober and, uh, you know, Hey, don't, uh, my therapist said, uh, when you think about taking Oxycontin, think about having a colostomy bag for the rest of your life. So I guess that, uh, you know, he no longer wants Oxycontin anymore. So good for him. I'm glad that he's healthy. He know that he I know that he wrote the book in hopes that he can help people. But I just have a couple of my own questions that I would like answered, and they're not answered in any of the articles that I've read. Okay? So I know that he talked about how his friends, co stars, were understanding and they were patient and he said, You know what? It's like penguins. <laughs> is it matthew it's like penguins yes it is penguins in nature when one is sick or one is very injured the other penguins surround it and prop it up they walk around it until the penguin can walk on his own that's what the cast did for me well gosh darn it that's good i mean good for them i'm glad I'm glad that your cast of friends that you did for 10 or 12 years or however much money in years you made of that stupid show all, you know, propped you up like penguins. That's good to know. It's good to know. let's clean house a little bit with a few headlines that uh, haven't gotten to. Uh, I see where Elon Musk uh, reported the highest ever quarterly revenue with $21.5 billion, but still fell short of uh, analyst expectations. So that means the stock fell about five percent after the announcement, and I know Tesla stock has declined like thirty-seven percent since the beginning of the year. But Elon still remained uh, optimistic and saying that uh, he could see a future where the company ends up worth more than Apple and Saudi uh, Saudi Aramco combined. Okay, good news. I mean, if that doesn't work out, he can always continue to sell his perfume. Uh, I haven't really talked about Elon selling his burnt hair perfume. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the finest fragrance on earth. Yeah, that's right. That's what it's called. It's sold out. He put it up online and uh, it's he's sold out of the, because uh, he's put on his uh, Twitter bio, perfume salesman. And uh, I guess he sold out of 30,000 bottles of burnt hair. That's available uh, via the Boring Company website. Uh, he made a joke about it um, hinting at, uh, you know, about burnt hair, the scent for men. And, uh, then he threw it out there to buy it and it happened. Everybody, everybody wanted some. All right. What does it smell like? Well, we don't know. We don't know what it smells like. It could be, it could smell like hair burning when you lean over a candle. We just don't know. We know that, uh, in the ad copy, it calls it the essence of a repugnant desire. <laughs> now how much do you want to spray burnt hair all over you? I know. Me too. The CEO of Hockey Canada and all its board members have resigned following an investigation into their handling of sexual assault allegations. Wow. Wow. That is not good at all. TikTok is planning to build its own fulfillment centers in the United States. Oh, okay. Well, sure. Come on in. I guess uh, your e-commerce is uh, excellent and we want the business here in the U.S. Don't, we don't care that it's going to be a Chinese business in, right on U.S. soil. Nah, we don't care about that at all. Don't worry about it. We've, uh, we've all forgot about uh, TikTok and how bad it is already because we love making our little TikToks. Okay, come on in build your fulfillment centers uh hey in florida uh i know that uh they've got the bridge up and running ahead of schedule to sanibel island so that's good some of the recovery is uh, still taking place from the damage from uh, the hurricane which was horrific but uh they also have another problem that they need to deal with Uh, they're seeing a rise in infections from flesh-eating bacteria known as uh vibrio um Vibio vulnificus. It thrives in warm seawater And causes infection when it comes into Contact with open wounds An estimated seven people have Died from a recent infections And public health officials have highlighted The importance of seeking treatment Immediately after contact Occurs so here's just a helpful hint From me to you In Florida if you have An open wound how about You cover it up <laughs> Wear some rubber boots when you're walking through floodwaters. Okay, <laughs> what do you say? Uh, maybe not go through the floodwaters. Just uh, let your open wound out and uh, be open out in the open for the for the old uh, vibrio vulnificus to uh, seep into your body because uh, it's not good. You do not want to have the flesh eating bacteria on you. Okay. <laughs> You just don't want it. I see where Circle K has announced that it's going to sell medical pot at some gas stations starting next year. That's good. That's good. I'm not sure what you have to do to pick up some pot at the local Circle K, but I'm a fan. So you stop in, get yourself a little bit of gas, pick up a couple uh, couple of chocolate bars, And uh, you know what? Uh, I need some of that pot up there, too. Uh, Is it medical pot? Yeah, I'm sick. (laughs) And I need some of that medical pot, too. Okay, you got a sign here that you needed it for a medical purpose. All right. I'm good. Take care. Have a nice day. Thanks for shopping at Circle K. You, too. Take care. And I see where uh, this stat here that is just like, Uh, really? Do you think that it's true? So Americans who work from home, Spend 60 million fewer hours commuting to work every day. This according to research from the New York Fed. New York Fed, did we need your research? I'd like to know how much money you spent on this study because I could have told you that. (laughs) I'm happy. Chewing the fat. Could have used the money for the New York Fed research on commuting hours. Duh. So what are we doing with the newfound time? Apparently we are sleeping, and uh, younger Americans, especially, said they spent more time exercising and hanging out with friends at restaurants and bars. Well see, that's what happens when you don't commute every day. You still you just exercise and you hang out with friends at restaurants and bars. and you sleep more and you just enjoy life. I mean, New York Fed. The next time you need research done on something like this, email me chewingthefatattheblaze.com. All right, or All right. reach out to me on Twitter at JeffyJFR. Facebook and Instagram is Jeff Fisher Radio. Uh, you can reach out to me on YouTube if you want, but you need to be a, you know subscribed to Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher on YouTube. I'm a little below. Uh, You know, like Shakira. Shakira has, what, like 38 million subscribers on YouTube. I'm a little bit below that. But I'm getting there. Uh, Subscribership is climbing. And so I'm almost there. (laughs) You know, me and Shakira, neck and neck. She's got 38 million. I'm below 38 million. But, you know, I'm getting there. (laughs) Anyway, New York Fed. You can contact me any of those ways. And let me know. And I'll do the research for you. Okay? I don't know what you spent on it. But, man, I'd be fascinated, fascinated to get some more information on what, uh, what your research showed. Because I bet this is just me, you know, thinking off the top of my head that research showed that companies are trying to be more flexible with their employees because now we're coming out of the pandemic and people are realizing that they enjoy working from home. But deadlines must be met and sometimes it's better to have face-to-face connections. So many of these companies are trying to work with their employees to you know, perhaps come in one or two times a week. Now let's talk about transportation uh, costs and how that affects our relationship with employment and uh, salary. Let's talk about transportation costs with the public transportation. Right? What's happening with that? Is gonna, if less people are commuting, that's a lot less money for public transportation. So you know, I know it's just me. Uh, without I didn't do any of the Fed research, but I'm guessing. If that's some of the things that they come up with with their research. Plus, I see where Uber is now going to turn their uh, rides into a commercial. Okay, great. I mean, why not? I mean, okay. I just don't make it annoying. Is it going to be, if I have to have an Uber car, if I want to be an Uber driver, do I have to slap like a an Uber flat screen on the back seat so that uh my riders have to watch ads while we go uh you know because they, I mean, uber has officially launched their advertising division and unveiled its in-app experience <laughs> oh that's great they said they're going to sell ad space inside its ride hailing and uber eats apps as well as in vehicle digital ads sponsored uh mails and storefront ads so yeah they're going to be advertising in vehicle digital ads so you're going to have to have you be ready for that when you take an uber you're going to have the screen in front of you giving you ads i mean okay i guess whatever just please don't make it annoying please just don't make it annoying So, hey, I see where uh, we have the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees for the American League Major League Baseball Championship Series, and the San Diego Padres are taking on the Philadelphia Phillies in the National League uh, Championship Series. So, one of those four teams, or actually two of those four teams, will be playing for the World Se- in the World Series, and one of the four will win the World Series. So it's either going to be the Houston Astros, the New York Yankees, the San Diego Padres, or the Philadelphia Phillies winning the World Series this year in Major League Baseball. So congratulations to those four teams. I see, you know, I keep seeing headlines on Tom Brady. That's because I, you know, I continue to look up stories about Tom and Giselle and, you know, what's happening in Tom's life. And he's now invested in pickleball. (laughs) That's the new, that's the new thing, man. Pickleball. Got to invest in the new pickleball team. So okay, I guess we all have to start playing pickleball now. But uh, you know, he's uh, you know now he's seen without his ring and stuff. Boy, I tell you, this has been a tough year. And I know, you know, do you care about Tom Brady? You know, barely. I like Tom. Love it. Glad that he's with the Bucks. I'm a fan of the Buccaneers. Uh, you know, we got it brought us a Super Bowl. Uh, I feel like he should have retired. I feel like the decision for him to come back, you know, I was, I was all for it and I realized that he wanted to continue to play football and everything, but his life has just gone into turmoil since he said he was going to retire. And then he decided, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to come back. And since of that decision, man, his life has just been in turmoil and obviously you can't go back. But uh, the life has definitely been in turmoil, so we'll see what happens. I hope, you know, I don't think he hurt his goat title, but he definitely uh, put a chink in the goat armor. Wait, what? Yeah, I said it. He put a chink in the goat armor armor. Of Tom Brady. There's no doubt about that. Speaking of uh, football and Neanderthals, I see where a discovery of a group of Neanderthal remains dating back more than 50,000 years has almost doubled our genetic knowledge of ancient humans. Pretty remarkable. It's a fascinating story. Uh, They have multiple families living as part of a small community in a Siberian cave. Women moving between nearby groups. Oh, yeah. And the study compares that, uh, you know, we have similar observations from modern day gorillas, though they say, hey, 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 don't be making direct comparisons. That's not the same thing. Okay, well, I didn't, you did. But uh, they talk about uh, how the the Neanderthal life was. And we're guessing because we don't really know. It's not like there's, well, the Neanderthals left a book. (laughs) They carved a book on the side of a cave. We know what life was like. Oh, really? Yeah. This is their social organization. Oh, okay. But I guess we know now that they were living together uh, as families and groups going back and forth. We know that we found uh, some prey with uh, spear wounds dating back in 120,000-year-old fossils, so we know that there was some kind of tools being made and hunting uh, for hunter-gatherers, right? They would work in teams to hunt. They would almost have to do that. Uh, we know that uh, they we got DNA, where the uh, Neanderthals would breed with other homonyms, other humans, the early uh, Denisovans, so, I mean, they were, you know, the, the early humans, the homo sapiens, would come over to the to the Neanderthal cave and go, hey, what's happening? How you doing? How you doing? And take care of a little business. <laughs> we know that. So, that's in Siberia. It's so fascinating stuff. If, if you have a chance to read about it, it's really, really fascinating uh, how they found the, I mean, they have, uh, they talk about they've They occupied this cave 54,000 years ago, and they've extracted DNA from a combination of 17 bone and teeth specimens found at the site six of the specimens belonged to women with the remainder belonging to men. And the analysis of the genomes of both groups revealed that the males were more closely related than the females with around 60% of the women thought to have joined the group from other communities. And that's how you know. So there were all kinds of signs of interbreeding and why wouldn't there be? That's the only people out there. <laughs> Hello. Uh, limits your choices. So you go with what you have. You can quote me on that. You go with what you have. <laughs> no doubt about it i'd like to also think uh, i got a gift uh to add to my asmr life and I'm, i haven't i haven't created an asmr tiktok channel yet i want to though but i did get a an asmr gift that came with unwrapping paper which is all good part of the asmr uh, world, and uh, it's also it's part of its see, I'm going to take it out of the package here with the ASMR. Thank you for the gift, by the way. Uh, it's the a- an ASMR experience, the sensation, and it comes in a little plastic cup. Now, this particular one, there's several ASMR. I'm going to look at the different ones here. It gives me a list of the different little toys that they have here. So they have these single pod capsules which make unique sounds. The peel decoller, the switch-up changer, the flex, the flex flexure, the rip-a-racker, the pop-up jeller, uh, the screwvis, the turn-turner, the puzzle. This The one that was sent to me was uh, the rip, the ripper. And so it has this Oh yes, it's okay. Relax. It's been a long day. You are not an Neand, you are not. A, if I could say the word, that's what you are not going to be—a Neanderthal. Oh yeah. <laughs> Is that different than the others? Keep hitting the mic. I've got to put a. I got to put some sort of cover on the mic when I do my ASMR. It's okay. I really like the paper better. It's okay. Relax just for you, okay? Thank you for listening to Chewing the Fat. I just want you to have a good day. And go inside yourself for just a little bit. And remember, doggone it, you're worth it. You, too, could know that you are not a Siberian Neanderthal. You may be related to a Siberian Neanderthal. But we don't know that just yet. We don't know if your DNA showed up at one of the Neanderthal nightclubs, (laughs) the cave in Siberia, to take care of a little business. So thanks for listening to Chewing the Fat ASMR channel.